da, da, da. Hi friends, nice to see you as I take a drink of my tasty beverage. Coffee again today. I just into this like this big like uh Keurig thing. I'm a Keurig guy. He's a big Keurig dude, and you're, it's very hard to find good Keurig pods. And so I went back to, like, ground coffee. Not that anybody really gives a shit to start the podcast. <laughs> Go back to ground coffee, and I'm looking for this little Keurig pod that you can put ground coffee in because I want to be, like, you know, environmentally friendly and stuff. Apparently, there's a problem with the environment. I'm like, I'm going to get one of those. It's not the same. It just isn't the same. I can't find a decent Keurig cup. I cannot find one. So now I got to go back to the drawing bar. I don't even know what to do. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you. I got my beverage. Hopefully you have yours and hopefully our guest has hers. She is the host of the O Show. She is from the Hammer. And she's a bit of a watchdog and a bulldog. And she's one of my favorite online personalities. And she actually uh, espouses values in media. So weird. Good ones, too. Uh, Please welcome to the program. Uh, my friend, my new friend, and someone you've known for a long time from media, specifically in Canada and Ontario, Toronto uh, area. Please welcome Miss Laura Babcock. Ladies and gentlemen, Laura Babcock from The O Show. Nice to see you. Nice to be here, Dean. Yeah, yeah, it is nice. Um, love The Office. Uh, I don't know where you'd fit on Room Raider, but you're guaranteed better than mine. All right, have you been on Room Raider yet with your podcast? No, oh. but you know, that was one of my favorite sports during the pandemic was raiding all this. I loved seeing inside all of everybody's houses, right? When they got <laughs> out of the studio for like six months, that was one of the yeah. things that helped me get through the pandemic was checking out their art, what books they read or pretend they read. I love that stuff. <laughs> you know what It's what was weird that the pandemic taught us? Because the pandemic, like everybody is, you know, that, that does what we do with your traditional media you had to get in, you had to get a little creative, right? You had to apply some ingenuity. And so it was like, when we first started this, I don't know about you, you've got a terrific online show podcast called Osho, the Osho. It's uh, osho.ca. You can go and check it out. You can have a look at everything you do. You're wonderful. We'll get into all that stuff in just a second. But here's the website, the Osho with Laura Babcock and guests. Um, and uh, she's located in, in Hamilton. But when we first started this whole thing, and we'll get to that in a minute, when we first started this whole thing and they're like, okay, you got a podcast at home, right? I was like, oh my God, seriously, I got to like, as a radio guy who never had to look good when you're on the air, right? You just go in, you rip it up and then you come home and you're like, thank God I don't have to shower. All the TV people have this problem. And then all of a sudden the radio guys are like, oh, now I got to get dressed up and I got to look good and I got to shower and I got to shave. And then I had to lose a bunch of weight because you looked at your face and you're like, I just like, I can't do it. But it was literally trying to set up a room where you're like, okay, you can have your own studio in a room. Yes. And you got to face corner. Why am I facing a corner now? I don't know. (laughs) Then you got the backdrop and you got to have bobbles and you got to have this and you got to have that. It was like this, this mind melter for me where I was like, wait a second. I thought we were just getting paid to do content. Like, what do we, what do we got to do room rating for? What's the whole idea behind that? But this is the new thing, right? You're a traditional person. You understand it. Well, I actually am one of those TV people, you know, yeah. and I got to tell you, it's not about the weight, Dean. It's about the angles. You've got oh, to do your angles. Like <laughs> there are some shows that force me to do an angle I don't like, so I don't watch or share the show after. <laughs> so, are you serious? You're yeah. like me then. Are we yeah. all the same? 
Well, yeah, like uh, you got to have an ego to work in this business, whether it's yeah. radio or TV. You got to be a little crazy. Uh, so, yeah, no, control the angles. It's just like my smile is my signature. So, whenever someone tries to take a photo of me, I'm like, no, I'm smiling. I don't care. You know, unless it's the license bureau, it's happening. <laughs> so you got to know your angles, you got to know your thing. But in terms of the set, uh, I was doing CTV for years and they would let me do some hits from home. So I started yeah. to develop like, you know, the home set. Sure. And then uh, during COVID, my cable show, I was, I think the first host at the time that moved to a remote location for them. I left cable to bring the O show to YouTube. And I got to say to anyone out there who's watching or listening, uh, I think we need to update our, our page. We've been super busy cramming shows in. So go to our YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, the so it's the best way to find all the latest because we've dropped like five episodes in the last 10 days, it feels like. And mm -hmm. another one, the Scandal Panel coming up on Friday. Uh, so, I mean. Oh, I love the Scandal Panel, by the way. You've got like some hardcore guests there that are like, okay, here's the truth. This is the scandal. Here's oh, the like Queens Park reporters, they catch me up and then I freak out. <laughs> you know? But yeah, so that the whole move to the remote thing. I'm yeah. lucky my husband works in, you know, works in TV and uh, could set up the home studio. So it's all lighting and angles and, you know, don't worry about it. Your voice carries the rest. Yeah, you do a great job. I love your show. Uh, you're the, like a, you're the conscience of, of, of political wrongdoing, I think, in this province specifically and to some extent in the country, even though you're out of Hamilton, it's taken on a real well, you know what? countrywide I'm not, from, I'm not from Hamilton, right? I'm here for love. That's what everybody says that lives yeah. in Hamilton. They're like, I, listen, I'm not from here. My husband. I love it. Like it's, it's rough and tumble and fun and the politics kind of sucked me in. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was uh, born in Toronto, raised in Montreal, stuck in Winnipeg for six years. No offense, Winnipeg, but didn't love of it uh, and lived all over southern Ontario for school and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I met my husband or my then boyfriend, uh, you know, Hamilton is where we stayed. But I was I loved it because, you know, Hamilton's a rough place. Mm -hmm. You call me a bulldog off the top, dude. I mean, you cannot accept the shit that goes down in this city hall. It is famously corrupt. And so, I, you know, I love that. I love that there was something real to work on. You know, it, you're kind of an outlier that way, right? Because I think if you're in this industry or you're in this business on reporting on really negative stuff or stuff that makes like a voter or taxpayer go, are they really giving our money to that guy's friend? Are they really doing this to us? But like you, you feed off of this stuff. Yeah, because I hate it. I hate corruption and bullies. I was raised by a bully and I freaking hate that. I won't ever put up with that. Like you have to stand up for yourself and for what's right. You just do. Mm. Uh, and so anytime that I see somebody exploiting the marginalized, it gets me freaking crazy mad. <laughs> it just does. And so when I came to Hamilton, I was actually like just a student watching a, a show on local cable. And I'm like, oh, I want to fight that. And then I was hosting yeah. the show within a few months. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, it's just from a place of um, we have, we pay a lot of taxes. We have a good quality of life compared to most of the world. And I'm very, very proud to be born in this country and very lucky. But damn, there is some stuff that goes on, Dean, mm. that, that people don't believe, right? It's almost like it's too obnoxious and too... Conspiratorial. Conspiratorial. And I'm like, yeah. but I know these guys. I've heard them admit it over lunch. Like, this shit happens. It's our job to call it out. We have to. Otherwise, you know, just the, the taxes keep going up on the people who are in the middle class. We lose our middle class in this country and we just watch people grift it away from us. So, so it makes me it makes me nuts. So I, I'm no hero or anything. I just get pissed off when I see bullies and I get pissed off when I see people taking advantage of others. It's just in my nature. Where's that from? You said it was uh, you were you were you were oh, raised, I was by, raised by a fundamentalist Baptist minister, uh, you know, who was tough and not in good ways. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, no, thank you. Took me a long time to get out of that that headspace. 
Um, and I just don't appreciate indoctrination. I don't appreciate propaganda going unchecked and I can't stand it when people are pushed down or gaslit. And so these are things that, you know, when you're, when you're kind of baptized, baptized by fire, pardon the pun, you develop a, an iron core and it's like, no, I'm not, I'm no thanks. Like, yeah, you can me. smell it. Yeah, you you but, can smell propaganda. You can smell gaslighting because if you grew up in any sort of faith as I did as well, that's why I laughed. You said you were brought up by a Baptist minister. Yeah. Uh, I went to Three Hills, Prairie Christian High School in Three Hills. I there grew up go. in the evangelical church. Went to Karenport Briarcrest because I got kicked wow. out of Three Hills and then went to Briarcrest. And it was like I kept getting kicked out of these schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we should have yeah. been friends all along. I was stuck in Bible school in the woods for one Were year. Really? I had to go to another Bible school. I had to go to a Baptist leadership training center, which was essentially a place for bad kids like me and all the others who wanted to be preachers. I mean, talk about hell on earth. I was even a missionary in Europe and Japan. I'm talking being like. No kidding. When you were a teenager. Major? Yeah, yeah, way down that rabbit hole, my friend. So, you know, getting out of it and yeah. seeing and seeing how easily people can fall for the kind of shit that Trump is doing. I mean, it, those religious were I said to your friend our our friend Charles on his show like in 2015. I said that told him that a buddy of mine went down to the states to see one of Trump's rallies like before he was even the the GOP nominee. And they likened it to a religious experience. And I remember Charles kind of laughed and thought, how is that possible? And I go, I go from what I heard, it sounded just like the big tent revivals, the Billy Graham kind of stuff I had to go to as a kid. You know, this stuff works. When people start to worship and sway, you've got something going there that we shouldn't ignore, right? So, I mean, I think, Dean, when you're exposed to a level of indoctrination and purposeful will will crushing, mm -hmm. you know, then you, you sort of, oh my goodness, thanks, Daryl. That's a, look at, sorry, this was not planned. My son, Chef Daryl Rebel, just made me, what is it, a bacon pancake with a blueberry reduction? I'll, I'll leave it after the podcast. Can he come over here next? Can yeah, he yeah, my, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, now, I, see, I feel like we should take a break so you can eat that. I feel like I'm wasting your time because that's no, way more important than this. Smells incredible. No, I'll eat it. He's just in a vibe. Atta when girl. he wants to cook, he cooks. Um, <laughs> so I'll get to it. But my point is this, right? When you, when you've, I think those of us who have had experiences in indoctrination, whether it be religious, whatever religion, evangelical, you know, all that stuff, you start to look at uh, how people communicate and why they communicate that way and what, who benefits from it. Yep. And so I'm passionate about communications, both with my company and with my media stuff. I always have been because it matters, right? Like words mm. matter. Rhetoric, the root of it is action. They, they don't say stuff that they are not trying to activate a response. And we have to, we have to challenge what that is. Man, oh man, uh, you've opened up like a, a whole other avenue of conversations here. I knew this would happen when I started talking to you, but I didn't know it would be about the religious portion and why people like us are so tuned into indoctrination, tuned into propaganda, misinformation, disinformation. There was an article this morning in the Narwhal, uh, which I read and shared it. Uh, Emma McIntosh does a great job following around the Ford government, who you also follow around and who they follow you around now, too, by the way. Nice work. Um, is That's that apparently. apparently I'm rent free up in the head. Oh yeah, you are. They can't stand you. I don't think they like me much either, but they really hate you. Uh, I know is, it's a badge of honor. Yeah, it's a job well done. Thank you very yes. much. Um, but I think people like us who, you know, you come from any kind of faith, um, we're considered what they would say in that faith, the evangelical or Baptist faith, the born again Christian faith, that we are something called apostate. Um, yeah. they now, call them backsliders. I'm a permanent backslider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, we're going to hell. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The we backslid. We've lost our faith. Uh, all those things. But we spent. I don't know about you. I spent. You know, grades two until 
grade 12, literally hearing the same sort of gaslighting, the same propaganda, the same lies, the same bullshit. And when the when the convoy started, specifically after covid started and you started seeing people pushing back against this jab that was the mark of the beast when you started to see people push back i started it was like take me down hell's memory lane of my time in the christian faith where you could read between every line of propaganda misinformation where it was coming from church groups conservative groups that were wrapped up in these evangelical church groups or faith-based groups that are like no 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 we're not taking this vaccine because this is man-made and we know what this is because it says in revelations. And then they started doing the quiet parts out loud, like about a year into the pandemic. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I knew this. I knew that this would happen. There's like end times, the horsemen of the apocalypse, all the stuff out of revelation. And you're going just no, 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 no. Here's the thing. And I used to say this to people and I got in massive fights with my own family members. I don't know about you. I still talk to some of mine. I got a massive arguments where they're like, no, this is like the mark of the beast. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. This is a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, you still believe the same bullshit you were taught when I was like, you know, between the ages of seven to 18. Is that is you, you guys still think that's going on? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then you, you, you say, OK, well, tell me about the rapture. Has any of that happened? Because about 50 of those have passed. And they're like, no, but, uh, you know, we don't know. Those. We don't want to talk about it. But we are uniquely qualified to be able to read between the lines, not just when it came to COVID, but now where it serves people like you and I, and I'm turned on by the subject. You can see I'm alive today. Um, Where where we're uniquely qualified to literally hear the bullshit that religious institutions have used for political purposes. Absolutely. And, you know, those are powerful images. I remember when the Gulf War happened, the first one, uh, the the burning of those those uh, oil wells in the ocean was the, you know, was something out of Revelations, the fires in the sea. Right. And I won't even tell you what what I heard about Hillary Clinton, what part of Babylon she was. Right? But the point is, there are these I want to call them tropes, but they are these powerful fear inducing symbols that many people are indoctrinated in. And when you tie them to other agendas, they have that effect. They get to people, they scare the people, right? I mean, the number of the beast was a horrifying thing. I always was afraid of growing up, you know, Lamb's Book of Life, all these Mm -hmm. different things. Um, We were all taught taught the same stuff, Dean. And so when you see it in US politics, which as to your point, very much infiltrated the trucker convoy. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be real. Look where the money came from. Look where the influence came from. Look, there's a presidential GOP nominee who are not nominee, but a contender who is using the truckers convoy as some sort of freedom against totalitarian government in Canada. I mean, Fox News has been talking about this stuff for years. It isn't accidental. It isn't a joke. It is meant to trigger. And so for those of us who have grown up in it and eschewed it and gotten over it, uh, we can spot it a mile away and we have to talk about it, right? We have to talk about it. Uh, I, I'm sure there are some good hearted evangelicals out there. There are good hearted fundamentalist Baptists out there who think that they're just doing, you know, the work for Jesus and it's all love and they're supporting their communities. But that wasn't particularly what I saw a lot of. What I saw a lot of was judgment and damnation and control and ways to suppress other populations for power and advantage. I saw a lot of insecure people use teachings uh, to nefarious ends. 
And, and when you grow up in that and you see that and you see the manipulation behind it, you, you can't be comfortable with it when you see it infiltrate politics. So I always try to separate the people who are maybe unwittingly being duped uh, or maybe don't have that background or maybe can't resist those triggers from the people who are doing it. You'll always see me, Dean, I'll rarely go after a person, but I'll go after leaders, right? Mm -hmm, Responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're doing you don't punch thing. down. Yeah. You know what? I don't even want to punch across, right? Like I, I want to punch up. I do. I do. Well, yeah, I know you do. And, and it's fun to watch. But I'm just saying, <laughs> my point of view is, you know, I don't know if I can swear on this, but the fuckers, the fuckers who are putting this shit out, they're mm -hmm. comms people, of which I am a comms person, not for a political party, but I certainly know how to do the dark arts. The comms people and, and the leaders who are putting this out, and the leaders accept the comms people's advice. Let's be clear. If a leader doesn't want to do it, they're not going to go down that narrative. Uh, they are responsible for what's happening, 100%. So there's no day that I'm not that I'm going to wake up and see something that Ford or Polyev or anybody else has done. I'll do it if Trudeau does something that I find to be disgusting. I'm going to call it out and say, what the hell? Does anyone else see this? <laughs> you know, Don't let him get away with this crap. I hate it. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact-check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact-check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again want to beta test their product, they're going to launch it in the next month or two, go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. Back to the show. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io. Do you believe? The good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists, that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources. And there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip and they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot I-O. Well, that's what, that's what the Osho is. That's what the scandal panel is. And then you get into it, you bring up like the legitimacy of the beef that you have with the propaganda. And let's just get into it because Doug Ford, Pierre Polyev, you mentioned both of them. Uh, they both use an organization that is currently suing myself and us for a couple hundred thousand dollars. And interestingly, a an injunction to prevent us from saying, hey, by the way, that's disinformation. That's misinformation. That is not accurate. 
um, which again, I think people like you and I are uniquely qualified to call out. But in, we in have to do, but we have to be careful, right? So obviously, I'm not part of the lawsuit that you're involved in, but I can tell you yeah. that the I don't like the chilling effect of those kinds of lawsuits, generally speaking. Right. I right. think that there has been. Uh, I don't like intimidation. I don't like. I don't like. You know, if there's something that's been said that is that is libelous and it's slander or libel, like deal. Like I used to be a journalist. I had to watch everything that I wrote. I had. And to you know, you're it. accountable for it, as do we. We're willing to go through the process so, for sure. So, I mean, I, you know, I try rigorously not yeah. to uh, defame or to personalize or to make assumptions. That's just that's part of my values. I'm no longer a trained journalist, but I used to be. So, um, so, you know, I haven't had that experience with this group or with this lawsuit. But what I can say is that it is so important that as long as we are dealing in facts and, and the rigors of reporting, you know, I, on the OSHA, what I do is I talk to reporters where I look at published reports. And that's where I gain my insight from. And that's what I speak to as an analyst. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more we support journalists who go through that process, the more that we elevate the hard work that so few of them anymore are even getting paid to do. I mean, let's mm -hmm. talk about that. You crush down the media, you 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 eviscerate it. Uh, there's no more accountability. So I'm seeing the rise of things like Cryer Media and other um, indie journalism and and, and the platforms. Osho. Osho. Yeah, the Osho. Okay. I'm, I'm seeing the rise of these these things. I didn't plan on doing this. I just honestly, I moved the Osho onto YouTube because I was getting some pressure about the upcoming election not to be so you know opinionated. So I said, "Fuck that!" I you know I've got to I've got to stop some of what I was seeing. So it was you know it's like that, that's not the platform for me anymore. I had to go mm -hmm. online. But the point is this: is that we have to ensure. I don't know what will happen with with the lawsuit that you're you're fighting, Dean. But one of the things I like about what you said is that the discovery process might actually open up a little bit of light into how things are running in this country and, and who is paying for what uh, and where are these narratives coming from. And I think that there's value to that for us all. So I tend not to presuppose criminal intent. I tend not to weigh in on, on things. Well, I just don't. I'm like it's I'm just I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I, I do try to hold on to my training. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I worry about any time that there is an attempt to, I mean, there, there better be meat on the bone. Otherwise, all it does is send a chill factor, right? And we're at a time in our country where people really need to hear from a, from a panoply of voices. Uh, they need to hear more than just these giant fire hoses of organized you know, bullshit. And that's actually a, a tactic that's celebrated in some circles. It's a fire hose of bullshit. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the phrase, mm -hmm. right? We're in an attention economy. If you can flood that zone with crap all the time, people start to believe that crap. Mm -hmm. So I want scrutiny on that. I want scrutiny on me, on you, on uh, any of these other organizations, sure. on the trolls that I'm getting by the thousands every time I make a comment about. Hey, listen, we were told that they don't exist by the people that are suing us. Just so well, you know. I don't know where they're coming from, but I want to find out, right? So, so I'll be I, watching your court. I'll be watching if your case goes to court or whatever, if there's discovery yeah, yeah. that's published. I know that myself and I think a lot of other former journalists who are now doing these pods, I think we want to see, like, what what is happening? I, I'm all for fair play, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's you can disagree with me all day long and I'll have fun with you on Twitter. The second that it's an organized uh, or or menacing or anything like that, it's like, no, no. 
Now, I want to know who's behind that. I want to know what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as Canadians, we've got to be very sensitive to that. We have to understand where we're getting our information from, Dean. Um, so, I mean, just on your lawsuit, good luck. I don't know. I don't know all the details. I just know that as Canadians, we shouldn't be silenced. Um, we should be heard. We have the opportunities in the platforms now to do it ourselves. How many of us even get paid for this? A lot of us don't. Uh, in different capacities, we might get paid for, others we don't. But we're in it because we want to make sure that the that I just don't want people to run away with the narrative when I know it's bullshit. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. You don't get it easy. You don't get it that easy on my watch. Like, I'll go to my grave with like, no, to the last minute I have breath in my body. <laughs> no. You're not going to get away with it that easily. Yeah, but you're one of very few, Laura. Like there are a lot of people that are. You're one of a few group of people that have the tenacity and the capacity to be able to keep up with it. To say no, nah, this doesn't scare me. Like the negative experience of dealing with somebody, you know, coming after me in my mentions or trolls or bots. Like you know, you get a ton of hate. I get a ton of hate, and and you can see it's all from the same group of people that have like you know three followers in some case none. Some people never tweet at all. They just reply. Uh, and they all say the same thing in unison. And this yeah. is an organized operation. We know it is. I know where these trolls and bots come from. I know the countries they're centered in. I know about the troll and bot bombing that they do because we've had an opportunity to work with them. And we said, no, you know, like we've had an opportunity to legitimately tag into that troll bombing machine. And we've said, no, thank you. So we understand how it works. And we know the people that use them. We know the data points that get used. We know that there's an arm of Cambridge Analytica out of Victoria, British Columbia called AIQ that farms information to certain political parties. And they do it with all political parties, by the way. Uh, There's one party that uses them significantly more than anybody else because they take those data points and then they harvest data points and they shine a light on bad information. And it happens all the time. And as a PR person, you mentioned it because you know the dark arts. What dark arts do you see with the limited information or the information that you have that 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 what bothers you the most instead of asking you a loaded question when it comes to misinformation, memes that are highly irresponsible or represent some type of, you know, because I saw this last week where there was a third party organization that put out a meme about Justin Trudeau and everybody's sick and tired of his shit. And that he's not doing anything for sexual assault survivors. And it was from one of those third party agencies. And I traced all that back and it actually originated on Telegram uh, from a Russian account that then turned that into news. And it was about the vote that they took in the House of Commons the other day where they tried to get through 30 hours of shit in like, you know, two weeks time. But they had to do it in 30 hours because Polyev wouldn't move. So it was it was it was pure misinformation. And as someone that has has a PR company that understands narratives, how to curate narratives, and you see the actors curating narratives, what is it that Laura Babcock from Osho has a problem with? What do you see and what's your issue? Well, first of all, let me give you credit to all of that uh, deep diving you do. I do not do that. I am not by nature a researcher, and I find that kind of stuff exhausting. But I know a lot of people like yourself and others do it. In fact, a lot of people send me stuff that they've curious. Yeah, but you know what I, and so my curiosity is always about, you know, what is, what is the intent of the message? What's, what's the real intent? I like to decode the language. I guess that's where I dork out, Dean. I don't do the deep dives in terms of source. I tend to look more at what is this message trying to convey? What are the appeals? You know, I've taught marketing and all all that stuff. 
And so like, are they using a fear-based appeal? What is the appeal? And how are they structuring the sentence? You know, where are they leading? Like, I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated um, by syntax and how things are constructed. Because in my business, I construct it with that level of thought, right? So I was on the North, uh, the True North Beaver podcast last week, had a great time with the guys, and they asked me about a particular tweet. And I like could have gone for an hour deconstructing every word selected, why, how they were bringing from an, an agreed fear point that seems true enough to a conclusion that is completely false and conspiratorial, and then even a confession of a psyops within its own tweet. Like, it's fascinating stuff, right? Mm -hmm, For mm -hmm. like me. But so what I'm concerned with and what I spend my time on is I listen to about 10 podcasts out of the US every night when I'm up at three in the morning. I try to get through them all. Um, I listen to probably 20 hours a week of US strategists were formerly mostly Republican operatives uh, back in the day who are unveiling how it's working. And I'm fascinated, Dean, by that, because in Canada, you know, the expression, if uh, the U.S. sneezes, Canada gets a cold, we are so influenced by their money, by their politics, by their narratives, by their media. And so I'm trying to get ahead of the Canadian situation we're in by learning from the never Trumper crowd who are saying like, so when you talk about the advent of bot farms and all this other stuff, I mean, they've been doing it. You know, they, they got them, they created this um, interconnected, uh, almost like echo chamber, but it's so powerful. I mean, I was just listening today. I think it might've even been David Frum who was talking about it on Morning Joe, talking about the fact that they have a system there where it's not just Fox News and what they, they wink and nod at in the US, right? It's an entire ecosystem of pods and email chains and texts and TikToks, everything else that reinforces- and WhatsApp groups with the same people that are right. delivering the same message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. deeper and darker than what they can get away with on air because they've already sure. lost billions, right? With the, the stuff they said on air. So they've created this kind of substructure that reinforces and, and gets to the really dark narratives that they're pursuing. And that's terrifying. So what I'm, so you asked me what I'm afraid of, what I'm afraid of are the trends that were used that were, were, were championed and used, and they're not even subtle about anymore in the U S and their creep towards autocracy, which might be jumping right off the cliff in what, 11 months um, yeah. to what's happening in Canada. And, you know, we're seeing the same examples. And I look for the language. I don't do the deep dives into where they, these spots come from, like you do, Dean. But what I do look at is, is, why are you calling me that? Why is that same insult being used today with me when it wasn't two weeks ago? What have I provoked? What? And then I go back through my own language and say, what tweet was it that drove them bananas? And now, now all of a sudden I'm the C word, whereas last week I was just the B word. Like, what's escalated? What are they fearful? So that's, that's where my mind goes. I look at, I, I deconstruct the language and, and look for patterns. And then I listen to how how they're they're contriving it in the US. And I look for examples of that in Canada to warn us against. I don't care if you vote conservative or NDP or liberal or green, I couldn't care less. What I care about is that you are voting based on real, not based on fake. And we're at a point now where the fake is so predominant that you know, I, I find myself with clients and with friends and neighbors at parties spending half my night deconstructing shit they've heard, and they come to me with it, which I'm 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 honored. Right? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible yeah. when you like leave your house knowing what you know, yeah. 
being in the business you're in, being able to tell what the lie is, being able to know where it's from, being able to tell what the syntax is actually telling, being able to read between the lines to see the pure hatred and propaganda. And you show up to a dinner party with people you maybe you haven't seen in six months and they're like, do you hear, do you hear Justin Trudeau had to sign an NDA because he's a pedophile? Right. And you're like, dude, let's get after that for a second. Right. And it's to the point where it's so tiring that everybody out there is like, why am I even paying attention to it? But to your point, the substructure that exists underneath the will of certain media partners, elites, political parties, literally carries that message until one of those organizations decides to get brave and then they retweet that or then they start talking about it. But if you got enough people saying the same thing, you've got a whole bunch of people out there that'll go, I guess it's true because they don't have the ability to think critically, to reason through it, to look for sourced information. Well, our training, Dean, like yeah. you've been interviewing and talking about shit for how many years, right? <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, so we have uh, like, we're Malcolm Gladwell experts in this stuff. We've had our 10,000 hours. That's yeah. why it's, it's be, we're beholden to, I mean, I, I feel, uh, you know, maybe it's my, my Bible upbringing, right? To whom much is given, much is expected. Uh, I've been given, I've been, yeah, I've been given a lot of uh, experience in communications and a mm -hmm. ton, a ton of talking and writing. I hosted a call-in show for 25 years on mm -hmm. local cable, right? So now we're at a point, and it's funny because I, I, I've noticed there's this kind of this tranche where we're all the same age. Actually, we're all kind of many of us anyway are, are kind of at an age in our career where we're 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 set enough that we can speak our minds, um, mm -hmm. and no one's going to pull the plug on us. And and so we are, and we've got all this this experience, right? So. I could be wrong anytime. I probably am many times a day. You probably are too. But the point is we're in the fight. And so when I go to these dinner parties and people bring this stuff up, I say to them, I'll say, oh, you know, where'd you hear that? Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and do you hear that from that often? And what, like, I try to deconstruct it first, get all yeah. the details and deconstruct the- I have six questions. You'll get all the answers you need when you deconstruct it. Like, where did you hear it? Yeah, as Who opposed to that? going, that's that's crazy. Are you an idiot? You're an Which, idiot. Like I might get to that five drinks later, but in that moment, you know, at first blush, I'm pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five drinks in. Hey, honey, Fox News. Frank wants to tell me more about what's going on in the world. Yeah, I got I stories, it. dude. I, I know we all do. And you know what? It's funny because like my patience is so thin now, yeah. where it's like. I'll avoid certain dinner parties with people because I just don't feel like educating an entire room of idiots. Like I just don't, that's you know, just how I am. I know, but I look at it like, um, you know, if not us, then who, you know, like some, cause uh, here's the thing doing a cable show for years and years and years. And I didn't do politics in school. Like it wasn't my thing. I didn't care about politics at all. Um, I wanted to be a teacher or a broadcaster. I wanted to break the news. I didn't care about the political side of it. But when I started to realize how much that dominates everything, I started to get kind of fascinated. And then as I was doing my call-in show for all these years, people would come up to me and they still do. If I left the house today, Dean, I would get this probably at whatever store I went into. Someone will come up to me and say, I really love your show. I think this or that about Ford or Polyev or Trudeau or whoever. And I'll say, oh, well, you know, uh, why don't you ever, you know, say so on Twitter or call the show or whatever. And they'll always be like, oh, but I don't know enough about politics. I don't know all the players. I don't know all the names. I don't yeah, know yeah. all the difference between municipal and whatever the other ones are. So it's like there's this giant barrier to engagement just based on kind of like the sports structure of it. It's like if you asked me to start watching football, how long would it take me to understand all the plays, all the positions, all the history, all the gamesmanship? It takes a long time. So I think we have to 
go to those parties and have those conversations because in a weird way, um, you know, people don't have our sight lines and they, they want, they need those sight lines. And so I feel like, no, okay, I'm going to, but I have to prepare myself. I feel like, okay, who's going to be there? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. How many people okay. like, who's going to bring up the vaccine? Who's right. going to mock the guy in a mask? Like all that right. other stuff. So many things we need to be aware of for dinner parties now. We didn't have to be five years ago. Well, you know what? It's right? not fun unless you're willing to. What is the expression? Unless you're talking religion or politics, or, you know, where's the fun in a yeah, dinner yeah. party? <laughs> but all I'm saying is this: like, yeah. as as frustrating as it can be, I don't look at it like they're willingly trying to believe bullshit. I believe there's a fire hose of it that is more than ever in our history aimed at their faces, and they don't even know that it is. And so they're showing up to these things going, oh, what's going on in the world? Well, I think and I believe this, that and the other thing and you're looking at it going, are you serious? And then so you but you have to kind of say, OK, where, where, how, when, how often have you tried this? Have you looked at this? Have you considered this? It's it takes a bit of time. But uh, then people I usually find go, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. OK, well, no, I'll take another look. And it's like, that's yeah. all. I'm good. Right. Like, yeah. you don't have to agree. Just just look at have critical thinking. And you know, the only place you'll get any kind of conversational capitulation is in person. You're not going to get it online, to your point. So maybe I should go to more dinner parties. I'm just going to take a break through the holidays, though, if that's okay with you. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like you should come by Punch Canada for some I think I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to come down to your place and hang out with you. And Chef DeRoe can uh, make me some of those pancakes, those bacon oh, pancakes. With yeah, yeah. Um, so where do you see it the most? Before we move on to yeah. some specific stuff. Where do you see that gaslighting, that misinformation, that disinformation, yeah. the, the lack of good faith in political messaging? What parties, where do you see it? What does it look like to you? Who are you like disgusted by right now? Oh, well, I think it is. I think that we are seeing uh, the right use it more effectively. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I feel as though uh, I feel as though the Trudeau liberals know how to use, obviously, PR and comms, but they haven't been. They've been acting entitled and above it for so long that it might be too late for them to come down from that ivory tower. I mean, we're seeing glimpses that they're finally in the fight, but I don't know. Uh, and I feel like the NDP have never been good at it. They're just never good at it. Um, you know, and I don't know if, it, if it's because they're the party of conscience. And so they're so sure that if people just understand the value of what they're saying, that somehow it will supersede the lack of message delivery device. I don't know. Um, but I've often found that on, on, you know, the sort of center left, people kind of think, well, you know, we're, we're so correct. We're so on the side of, of righteousness that our message will just have to carry. And you look at other people who are like, yeah, well, even if I think I'm right, I know I can manipulate the system and I can mm -hmm. spend some cash. So from just watching it from an operational point of view, I see the NDP chronically under messaging, although Merit Styles is an exception in Ontario uh, because of the green belt, because of not having a liberal in the chair who is a leader, you know, like they were in an interim leader situation. She's been punching above her weight with the videos she's been popping out and I've had her on the O show and I'm impressed. Um, but federally, uh, like until the new housing minister, Sean Fraser, decided to go out and walk around a neighborhood, what were they doing to communicate to people about anything effectively? Like nothing. Zero. So shame on, shame on Trudeau and crew for that nonsense. And the conservatives are really good at sloganeering, which is a propaganda tool. Like a game recognizes game. They know how to bumper sticker the shit out of anything. Mm -hmm. You know, ask Canadians, uh, who's the newsmaker of the year? Polly Epp. 
Why? Because everyone's talking about him. Why? Because he's giving them talking points. What are those? They're bumper sticker slogans to make you look smart at a dinner party. Axe the tax, right? Like, I mean, he's feeding people the talking points, which sure. is a, a dark art. Yeah. And, and it pains me to see that. So mm. sometimes I'll play with trolls. I mean, uh, they, they know this. I'm sure by now they've figured out my game. But every couple of hours, I'll pick a couple of my top trolls and I'll have a little fun back and forth with them, which then just grows my audience base. And also the main reason I do it is because I want to show people how to deconstruct the garbage mm -hmm. and how to push back. Right. So when they go to a dinner party, I'm giving you talking points. You hear a troll say this. Here's what you can say back. Humorous, hopefully a little lighthearted, but like put a point and put a pin in that shit. Yeah, the apologetics of how to do a dinner party and deconstruct your like brainwashed friends. I love it. It's like quick life hack with Laura Babcock from the old show. I love it. Um, okay, Greenbelt. Can we talk about the Greenbelt? Can we talk about Doug Ford? He's the premier of this province. RCMP investigation and international RCMP investigation into money laundering, international money laundering with real estate, among other things, cronyism, insider trading. Uh, all how do you know all that? Like, how do you know all that shit? Oh, it's in the news. Because I never saw, but I know that about the RCMP. But I never got like I see you talking about the international money laundering capacity. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, I, the, I haven't seen it. The arm of the uh, so the the investigation, the special investigations unit, is tasked with very few okay. things. Those are okay. the things they are tasked with. So, from your my understanding of the criminal investigation into Doug Ford, is that it is a number of those things: real estate. Obviously, you know what's going on around the world where people are like flooding Canada with money to put money into safe zones and real estate. I don't know if that is the case, but I can tell you that that is something that this this branch of the RCMP special investigations unit branch of the RCMP um, is the only investigative branch of any form of policing in this country that is allowed to investigate government officials for impropriety financial voter impropriety that is what this organization does. that's just a, the journalist in me right i just i yeah, never yeah. To, i never like to accept information unless i know where it's coming from sure um, so so on the so with the green belt you know i'm past almost talking about i mean the green belt scandal hashtag was a passion of mine for the month of august we yeah. have been back from euro trek with the family for almost a month in europe i wasn't working for a month which i've never done before and suddenly the green belt scandal blows up and i'm like yeah, i got time so you know working that hashtag for me was fascinating but now we're past that you were like, but you were an influencer leader in that regard you were one of the few people that led the charge when it came to saying we need to investigate how this man was right. able to take almost nine billion dollars worth of taxpayer land and give it to 15 or so of his donors and friends who magically were at his stag and doe i mean it's that keyhole well, you know, moment it was, right. it was about taking, to me, like the land wasn't taxpayer-owned land, but it was taxpayer-protected land. Like Protect, we had a policy sure, yes. choice to protect it. So removing it from the green belt was a policy decision and a lie, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, what pissed me off about Ford was he said to camera, folks, I've heard you, I'm not going to touch the green belt. And then he touched the green belt. So to me, that's like fair game, buddy. You said you went on camera. You are. And I don't buy the housing crisis as a rationale. And back to your thing about the narwhal, you know, that was the rationale, the strategic rationale they were going to use. Right. So we had to. So we had to say, no, actually, cities have been tasked with coming up with densification plans, urban boundaries. They've been working really hard on it for years. You don't need that land. So like, let's just let's just 
take that data point or that spin and let's deconstruct it and throw that out. No, not true. Not buying housing, housing, housing. Okay. Now what are they coming up with? What's the next level of bullshit on this? So it became for me, uh, you know, taking a lot of my time, but I happened to have it in August and it was like, no, but that's bullshit. So it was like every layer of spin that came out, it almost became like, I'm sitting there going, oh my God, is anyone else seeing this? And people were, of course. And then you started to see this beautiful thing where the Canadian media were starting to scrum. They were starting to get together and go, wait, hold on. I'll give my time and my question to her because that was a bullshit answer. So when I started to see, you know, the Canadian media rev back up into a, a really great journalistic structure, the kind that you need on a scandal like this, right? Um, I was like, damn, I'm going to support them. So every morning I'd make a point of checking out all the all the reporters. What were they breaking? What were they focusing on? How could I, in my capacity, tell that story, right, with the appropriate hashtagging to make sure that it was digestible to the audience that I'm speaking with? Um, and because sometimes reporters are great at, at the investigative work, they're headline writers, pretty good at the, at the clickbait, but not always awesome at, at at making the relevancy or the connecting point to their last story. Mm -hmm. And so I was just trying to pull that thread through Dean for people. Um, and and so now I think I'm past the green belt in the sense that this might be the biggest scandal in Canadian political history by the numbers, right? I mean, there's the RCMP involved. There's that land that you mentioned, that 8.4 billion, and that was in what, 2018 values or something? Yep, yep. It could be worth 20, 30 billion what would have come out of that green belt in terms of land for land speculators and developers. What about the 413? A lot of, you know, same names that we're seeing. What's going on with Ontario Place? Why the secretness of the deal? You know, why the 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 bogus business case? Like I feel as though that stag and doe, that little grift for that $100,000 or whatever the hell they made that night, was the single biggest political mistake. It's like breaking into the Watergate Hotel. Like what a colossal, stupid mistake. Because from that moment of the stag and doe came the green belt, came Ontario Place, came everything that this government is up to. They are gonna be under investigation all over the place for as long as Ford's name is on the top of that party and probably after, but he represents an absolute toxic brand now. And for the first time, and I know I'm impatient, it's only been four months, feels like a lifetime, but for the first time, the polls are coming back saying the people of Ontario don't buy his folksy bullshit anymore. They don't think he's working for the little guy, for the people, you know, boring beer news aside, they don't give a shit about his booze. They care about hospitals being closed and they care about lack of mental health funding for, for our youth. And they care deeply about paying triple for private nurses while nurses in the public system are being poached in parking lots, which came out, right? Like we care about healthcare. We care about our families. We care about our communities. We care about our environment. We don't give a shit about access to beer. I grew up in Montreal. Nice to have it in the corner store. We'll get there anyway. Yeah. But that's not a two year out announcement. That's just propaganda bullshit to get us off of what's important. What's important is we are witnessing possibly the biggest scandal in Canadian history. And it all started because they had the audacity to use political staff, I believe, to call and get you know people to pay for these stupid tickets to the stag and doe. Like, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Capone with the taxes, you know, it's like, did you have to charge for the party? Could you have not have kept your daughter's wedding events out of your, your, your big scheme? Like, yeah. it's, so I, 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 that's what fascinates me here, Dean, is that all the stuff you're talking about, and I can't wait to find out if there was an illegality, we'll wait for the RCMP, sure. but, but just the scope of it and the fact that it was all revealed 
from this one stupid event that everyone in Ontario went, huh? Who who's paying what to go see what? <laughs> Wait a second, you had the same people, and this was you know, and I, I go back to this, and we talk Greenbelt. There's a lot to it. To your point, it's long since passed. It's now one of those things that we're kind of just wrapping up flotsam and jetsam because it's been taken back. Uh, he's going to put the Greenbelt land back in the Greenbelt. He's like, sorry, but remember that press conference? Like, sorry, I said I wouldn't, and I did. I tried. You know no big deal. I got I to tell you, Dean, I bawled my eyes out. I can't believe it. I was at my son's football game. And it was a beautiful fall afternoon, you know, September, watching football, feeling the vibes. And my phone blew up. And I thought, I'm not on my phone. I had it like off, you know, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, what, what is happening? Is there like an earthquake? And I saw that Doug Ford was about to reverse the green belt. And I actually burst out crying in front of my friends. And they're like, holy shit, Laura, you care. Well, that's a job well done, though. But you led the charge. You no, were no, one no, of the no, few no, people. I don't want to take credit from the Stop the Sprawl people. They led the charge way before I even knew the name of the green belt. But what I'm saying is that. I was, I had no idea how much at my core I was invested, not in the environmental aspect, mm. the lungs of the GTA for my daughter who has asthma, which is a factor. It was how invested I was in seeing justice. Like I just, I, I cried for like, I'm not kidding, 15 minutes on the sideline, like a freaking psychopath, <laughs> because I was like, holy shit, we got through a majority government capitulated to public pressure. Yeah. That's 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 revolutionary for me. Forget this four-year cycle, five-year cycle of fecklessness and of being, you know, absolutely incapable of changing anything where the power's too great. There's nothing we can do about it. Bullshit. That went out the window with the green belt reversal. So, you know, Ford did in that moment, that little teary presser, that little bullshit shame walk across that parking lot. Yeah, he yeah. did more for activists in this country than he will at his legacy when all like everything is like paid out is going to be he fired up a generation to believe that i don't have to accept majority rule in this country from any government i can actually make them change a bill multi-billion dollar policy at great expense to their brand and to their donors and whatever the hell else is going on that uh, that's why i wept I wept that day because of that. Uh, you know, you, you bring up something that's worth talking about, and that is inaction or complacency, right. right? And you in that moment, like every Canadian, probably a lot of Americans now feel this way. Every Canadian feels like like this, like it, it's not going to matter. doesn't matter how much I speak up. You know, and I'm a big fan of Stoic philosophy, which teaches you to really focus on what you can control and what you cannot. Right. And so because of that, sometimes I reside on the side of the street where it's like not my problem. Someone else's. I'm only going to speak my piece. Yeah. But we've seen in the past year and a half, two major pieces of legislation backed off of three. If you count the Peel region thing. Right. We have seen um, the QP strike. Remember when they were like yeah, a couple of days away hard. from. Yeah, yeah, I was there, too. The QP strike uh, where they're like, OK, yeah, we're going to back off. We'll, we'll pay. Uh, we'll, we'll do a contract for the support workers in, in, in schools and in and around the area that we need to do. Totally get it. Yeah, we'll back off because everybody flooded Queens Park. So they're feckless there to use your word. Yeah. And then watching them back off the green belt. What is it going to take for Ontarians? Because, man, some of the collusive, corrupt stuff that we've seen has been happening in plain sight. Yeah. And then the, this government, as an example, the government of Ontario will take taxpayer money, 25 million, which was in uh, the last report, the last Auditor General report. 
and they'll do an, a flight of advertising that says what you're seeing isn't bad for you. We didn't really steal that protected land to give to our friends. We're just trying to make affordable housing by creating 7,600 homes on the moraine that are worth 4 million bucks a piece. So that's all we're trying to. And then all of a sudden, everybody like gets it. Everybody goes, yeah, you know what? That's wrong. And then you make this government stand up and go, hey, yeah, sorry, we tried to pull one over on you, but we couldn't. But we've seen it two or three times now in as much as you're describing. What is it going to take for the people of this province to stand up and go, our premier's corrupt, his cabinet's corrupt, and we need a new government of people who work for the people who will actually stand up against the oath that they took and actually do what they said they're going to do, which is protect us, protect our health, protect our money, protect our province. What is it going to take for us to actually do that? Because I had a conversation with someone with a union the other day, and they're like, we're looking at a general strike in the new year, and it's a big union. Yeah. So I was going to say general strike is an obvious tactic, right? That's when that's when we see a collapse down. And I often think of France, you know, that their people get in the streets fast when they don't like something. And I think we can learn from that. Um, So, you know, so there's a couple of points to that. I often hear, Dean, why aren't we in a general strike? Why isn't the the revelations in the last AG's report around the healthcare, like poaching nurses in parking lots, then selling that service back at three times the amount? It's unreal. It's unfucking real, and there is. And then when the minister was asked about it, I had to go back to uh, with a reporter. I'm like, did I did I hear you right on the radio just now? You're telling me that the minister, when asked, that they have no plans, no plans to change that process because it's a tool, right? Uh, so a tool in the larger privatization agenda, I suppose. But the point is, um, they have no plans to change it. So this government has shown us who they are, so we should believe them. To the Maya Angelou quote, right? And they're not going to change anything unless it's under tremendous pressure. And when you mentioned, I was actually driving with our family to Quebec, I believe, uh, when that whole thing happened with the educational assistance and the notwithstanding clause. And I remember, I think we were driving through Montreal and I made my kids listen. I said, I'm putting on the radio, everybody, you're going to hear this because it was listening to union leaders across the country who had given union money from their own coffers to fight for this thing in Ontario. And it was a lot of women leaders. And I said, like, this moment is significant in history because there is a premier who tried to use something, tried to abuse power. And there is a national pushback to protect these workers in our in our province. Uh, And it was a sign of, you know, uh, solidarity and effectiveness from a communication point of view that I, I wanted my kids to bear witness to in the moment that it happened. And so, yes, that happened. And then we saw it with the green belt. You know, we saw it with the MZOs. Uh, what we need to do, whether it becomes a general strike, which of course is going to have negative impacts on everyone. And that can go both ways. People can get angry at the unions, get angry at the cause. The, the premier can come out as a populist and, you know, blah, 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 folks, I'm trying to do the business for you, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a guarantee that's going to work, Dean. But what I do think we need to do as a province is to realize that this is a government on their knees. You know, this is a government whose who's, his personal favorability dropped with the green belt. He got a bounce back when he did his mea culpa and gave it back. Yay. But how many of those do you get? I'm not a golfer, but I think they call that a mulligan. Don't you only get like one? So then what <laughs> happens, right? After that, it becomes, well, hold on a second. What's going on with Ontario Place? What's going on with the 413? We don't trust him anymore. The latest polling said that the majority of people polled 
felt that he was not working for the people anymore. He was working for his friends. I mean, I remember doing a panel. I do a lot it was of like sixty-two percent of the province of Ontario said that right. Doug Ford isn't in it for them. He's in it to enrich his friends. Yeah. So you know what that is? That is to me from a from our comms geek lens from earlier. The mm -hmm. fire hose of bullshit got met with a bigger fire hose of fact checking. And in an era when people don't believe facts matter, they did. Right. Mm -hmm. So I like celebrated that moment as well when I saw that poll come out in the last 24 hours, because it shows that, no, if you're relentless, you can fight it. And one of the things that I've learned, Dean, that I, I hope your audience knows this, if they don't, um, they should, um, is that the march of, uh, of autocracy or the march of authoritarianism, the march of taking control from the people towards the wealthy to the power class, whatever, always is accompanied by a sense of inevitability, by a sense of overwhelming power. Like we can't fight it. They're too big. The system's rigged. We're never going to be heard. The next election's coming, but no one's going to vote. Engineered complacency. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So when you feel that feeling of why do I fucking bother? Like throw my hands at, do I need this hate all day? I got a busy company, I you know, busy family. I don't need this shit. So whenever I feel that sense of, oh, let somebody else fight it, I'm done. I say, hold on, who's making me feel that way? Where's the evidence that that's realistic? Or is that fear, false, you know, false expectations? Of fear and real. Real. Yeah, yep. right. So it's, it's fear. It's saying to me, there's something false I'm believing. In fact, this government has flipped three times and we're only getting started now that there's no trust and they can't go back to these folksy, stupid videos. I mean, even their booze, their boring booze news, people are laughing at now, right? When they did the, the corner store thing a couple of years ago, people were like, oh, cool. Now oh, wow, we're going to get white closet at like two o'clock in the morning now. Right. We can go get a half sack of beer when we're super wasted. And then exactly. just, to, just to bring people in to this conversation a little bit. What Laura is explaining is in the middle of being investigated by the RCMP special division, in the middle of walking back greenbelt bullshittery, in the middle of enriching his friends and donors, in the middle of stagging does with secret stuffs of envelopes full of money, in the middle of all that, his answer before they go on a nine-week vacation, his answer is, you know what? Let's put booze in convenience stores and tell people this is an advertising. Like a, in two fucking years, Dean. It's not like it's happening tomorrow. It's not yeah, like I can let's, go to let's tell it. let's tell them it's happening now. But then let's just put twenty twenty six on the end of this. Like it, it was, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. I talked to people at a dinner party that night. To your point of these pointless dinner parties, and my guy's like, "So you hate Doug Ford, eh? He just put he just put beers in the Seven Eleven. How can you hate him?" And I'm like. Dude, if that works for you, I never want to talk to you again. You are that <laughs> stupid. I said that to this gentleman who I've known for like 20 years. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, first of all, it's not happening for another two years. So if you're super jacked about it now, you're a moron. And if you're going to take that as your beacon of hope for this government after they just finished trying to rip off nine to $20 billion of your land after they just stole the Ontario Science Center and gave it to some dude for a casino slash spa, which you have to pay for. If you're going to do that after all the cronyism and insider trading, if you're going to do that after the notwithstanding clause and him beating up nurses in front of, you know, picket lines and protests before he goes to debate, if you're going to do that, I never want to talk to you again, ever, because well, that's yeah. how dumb you are. Well, your approach is slightly different than mine, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and 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 agree that everything you just said in that fabulous rant is fact. I don't know. I haven't witnessed nurses being beaten or anything like that. But well, don't but you remember the don't you remember the debate? It was like two years ago when he's running. He walks into the debate, and there's nurses outside 
protesting against the notwithstanding clause. Do you remember that? Yeah. And then Doug Ford's security literally grabbed them and threw them into the street. Don't you remember yeah. that? I don't. I don't remember that. Oh, either. there's a whole, I got videos of it. It's you go to crier.co, okay. you can check it out. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You yeah. are on that stuff like I am yeah. not. But to your larger point, which is, you know, this, 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 I'm calling it the boring, boring booze news because I think that drives them bananas because they think this is sexy or something. I mean, in they're two excited. Minutes, yeah, yeah. But it comes out just before the next election. So, you know, who knows the sight lines of the premier's chair that I don't and you don't is Premier Kathleen Wynne. Uh, people might hate her, but I had her on my podcast the other day on the O Show she was uh, awesome. on YouTube. Like I just say to her, you know, Kathleen, like, what is the view from that chair? What is he afraid of? What what should he be? What is he working on now? What's the war room digging into? I mean, watch the podcast with Kathleen Wynn. It's like 45 minutes. So I think it was this time of like insight into what it is to be premier of Ontario and what Doug Ford's going through his mind. And she told this story of after he had crushed her in the last election. And, you know, she's not into she's just a person of values. So she's like, I'm going to still do my role and my job. And, you know, so I got crushed. I'm still going to sit here. I don't think I could have done that, Dean. Um, and so she's sitting there and he walks up to her after this huge victory. And she told me the story on the O show. And he's like, you know, we're going to get that one seat in Scarborough that we didn't get. And she's like, really? Like, you just want a super majority. You could have any policy you want. And, and you're saving it for this grudge match for, you know, my language, but for four years from now. I mean, she said he's about politics, not policy. So to your friend who's excited about the booze in the stores, I would just say to them, you know what? Uh, yeah, cool. Awesome. Can't wait. You know, look forward to the access to alcohol. Also, have you heard about yours being closed? Have you heard about that? Have you experienced that? Because maybe some of your friends and neighbors in small towns near you got a heart attack going on, have to drive to the next town. Uh, you know, imagine being in that car. You know, so that's where I kind of like say, yeah, I, fine, that's great, awesome. That populist shit, nice. I didn't want to pay for my my sticker on my license plate again either. Also, though, how how's how's the healthcare wait working for you? Do you have a family doctor? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Right? yeah, it's incredible because he just increased access to alcohol after like ten o'clock at night when your LCBO closes or nine whenever you live. But good luck trying to find a hospital if you have a a, a, a grabber in the middle of the night. You can't like access to those things. It was like 838 ER closures last year alone. Same. 838. It's, it's, it's unacceptable. It's unconscionable, right? Yeah. So when Ford's video came out of him at the Sick Kids Gala the other day, yeah. I care less about the slurry delivery, whatever was happening. Oh, I that. love that video. I laughed I my ass off. Like, I'm like, you know what? It is funny on a comical level. Like, this yeah. guy's like, oh, nurse is not, like, you know, it looked like a Brittle Star sketch, but it's real. Yeah, it's dude, you, like, you're talking about the Brittle Star sketch where yeah. he pretended he was drunk doing the same Doug Ford announcement. And then you're also talking about a video of Doug Ford at a sick kid's gala who appeared to be slurring his way through a speech right. last week. He's like, I don't drink. Anyway, maybe, maybe just super exhausted. I don't know, but he's on maybe. holiday for a week. So weird. But here's the thing is that I said, I care less about the slurry delivery and more about the fact that he's doing a video for sick kids, an amazing organization. Um, if people haven't seen Ryan Reynolds ad for it, it's amazing. Amazing. Cutting edge children's healthcare organization hospital. And this is the man who is responsible for the underfunding of hospitals of, of gutting our public healthcare system. I mean, that's fact. It is fact that he is paying triple for nursing services coming back in and no plan to reverse that particular thing uh, and save the taxpayer money. I mean, so how do you how do you stand up there and do that that spiel for sick kids? This is not against sick kids. This is I hate duplicity 
to start our conversation back where we began mm. it, being, to wrap it up. I hate such a great word. Oh, but it's 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 what we see on a national level. We see it a lot too with Pierre Polyev. How do you do, do you like him? You know what I I what I don't love about. I mean, like he he was Millhouse and then he got buff. I don't know what the the whole glam up is. It's a girdle. It's spanks yeah. for dudes. Uh, you know, I kind of think it's sometimes so that other things he said over the years. When people look at those videos in a side by side ad, if the liberals ever run ads, um, you know that they'll go, "Oh, that's not the same guy." Like visually, I, I wonder yeah. if that's the level of their of their glam up that they did on him, the glow up. Uh, is that they're trying to distinguish from past statements. But then when he starts to make statements around Ukraine and other things, I'm like, well, those are bad enough with the new body. So what was the point of that? Um, I, I just look at him and I think, you know, you're you're a guy who uh, is saying things that even if there is a kernel of truth to them, I think you know better. And I, I don't appreciate intelligent people selling people a bill of goods. I don't like that bullshit. And screaming fire in a movie theater, you mean? Not everything he says is wrong, right? There are, I had Karima on the show a couple, a year ago, I think we, we deconstructed some of his language and there are pain points. There is an affordability crisis that this current prime minister Trudeau has been completely obtuse on, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it's pissed me off every minute of the way. And on foreign interference, what the hell's a special rapporteur? Just do the goddamn inquiry. Like, you know, so I think that Polyev speaks to a lot of things that a lot of Canadians feel uh, in our gut. And Pierre Trudeau has ceded that ground. So I don't begrudge Polyev for making the ground on that stuff. What I can't stand is signaling to someone like Putin, either intentionally or accidentally, that you're about to, you, you would be willing to abandon Ukraine. Right at a time when they're fighting the hot war for the sake of Western democracy, when we're seeing uh, Putin reference stuff that happened in the Canadian Parliament, when we're seeing what's happening in the U.S., like what are you doing, Polyev? Like what are you fucking doing? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you are. I mean, not only did I live in Winnipeg and met a bunch of brave Ukrainians, you know, who I mean, God love them, they're tough people. But for you to 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 let there be any sunlight in Canada's support of a country who is trying to fight for the rest of us against a rising dictator in Europe in a hot war, somebody who has ambitions to take more territory. I mean, shut up. So that, that I don't like Dean. I don't like that. You know, ax attacks. Of course he doesn't stand where I do on carbon, but fine, whatever. Mislead people a little bit about the math about, you know, do you get enough money back from the carbon tax? That's up to Trudeau to fight. That's Trudeau's fault if he can't make the case more clearly on his own fucking policy. Pardon me, but it drives me nuts. I'm not going to defend Trudeau's lack of comms. That stuff is kind of fair game. It's, it's, it's low level stuff. But when you start doing things that put at risk our democracy, at least, uh, you know, in terms of rhetoric, that's not cool. That, I don't like that at all. And I'm I'm becoming more invested in fighting back against Polyev's shit now because it's like, what are you doing, dude? I mean, really, is it worth it? Is it worth it to consolidate the right of your party? Or is it worth it to satiate the hardliners in your party? Or is it worth it for whatever U.S. potential support you have going on on some level? Um, to, to say that, 
I don't think it is, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm not surprised that he's dropped four points and that Trudeau has picked up six points or whatever. There's 10 point swing in the mm -hmm. latest national polls. I think other people are looking at that and going, OK, I was OK with the schlockiness and the, the, the gamesmanship. And, you know, Trudeau has been making me annoyed. So, you know, have at. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's been a summer of fun, little stupid videos. Um, but when you start to say stuff like that, I think Canadians are waking up and going, who is this guy? Like, who is this guy and what is he doing? You know? Yeah, so, so that's a question I have for you, too. Um, as we kind of motor to the end of this podcast in the next several minutes, I'm going to keep you for as long as I can because I'm enjoying this. Sorry. Sorry, you're stuck now. You're not going anywhere. This podcast is going. It's like a telethon. Now we're going to be here for hours. Uh, Jerry's kids. We should actually have a fundraiser for homelessness. Let's do something. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do the fundraiser for a lawsuit. You know what I mean? Um, but here's the thing is that um, you mentioned something that I find interesting is that when he when Pierre Polyev uh, repeats anything, says anything, agrees with anything that Alex Jones repeats or Vladimir Putin repeats. And when you see Putin celebrating a decision made by anything to do with the conservative party of this country. It scares me. It scares a lot of people, yep. but there are people out there that are willing to somehow be able to kind of separate that or turn that into a gray area where, and I go back to religion for this because we know why Putin, why he rallies behind, you know, the, the Russian Orthodox church and evangelical Christians and the things that he supports digitally over here in North America and the things that he hides behind. So we'll just kind of park that with part of our conversation earlier. But if, if you are celebrated, by Alex Jones, if you are celebrated by Vladimir Putin, if you are celebrated by the the American GOP political complex, if you're celebrated by those people, I think that's un-Canadian, right? I have a problem with it, but I'm amazed that some people don't, right? I'm amazed that you get pushback. Like the other day when Polyev's like, we shouldn't be in Ukraine. The, the prime minister of this country told you falsehoods about what's going on over there. And then he goes, it's a faraway land. We should have nothing to do with it, which is just a repeat of Neville Chamberlain, who refused to get into the war in 1938. We all know what happened. Churchill ascends. He actually kind of is the guy that if, if Churchill isn't around and if he doesn't look at that land as, hey, that's where we're fighting a proxy war for the Western democracy in this country. None of, no one here wants to be subjected to speaking German for the rest of their lives. And it was the same thing that happened in our House of Commons. You know, it was the exact same words. Trump used those same words like I, a month or two ago where he's like, Ukraine's a faraway land. We don't want it. And then you're hearing the same repetition of the same talking points from a guy who wants to be the prime minister of a democratically elected country. Right. This is a country of people who take their right to vote very seriously. And I'm 50. You're probably not, which is great for you. We're 51, dude. Okay, we're 50. We're from we're that 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 stretch generation of people oh, yeah. who heard about the horrors. Oh, you look great. Yeah, you look awesome. Yeah, it is, we look way older than you. It's just, it, it sucks. You, yeah, you're great. Yeah, yeah, you look great. I thought you were like 40. I was just, yeah, I'll 40. take it. So, yeah, yeah, you should. Um, but it's the same thing. Does it not, does it not? give you cause for concern when you hear the same rhetoric and the support yeah. from authoritarian regimes or like batshit crazy dudes like Alex Jones going, Polly Ebb's my guy. Do you know what? Uh, it does more than give me cause for concern. It gives me cause to look for patterns, right? And so, uh, you know, you mentioned I'm Canadian and 
I want to kind of take that word out of it because that's where people get into culture wars, right? Who's a real American? Remember all that shit? Mm -hmm. um, it's not about un-Canadian. It's unliberal democracy, right? It is, it is a fight for everything we've taken for granted for 80 years. And so if I hear that, uh, you know, and I found a trigger for the trolls is when I call it MAGA-esque. When I even put that MAGA near it, uh, I know you've got the Maple MAGA hashtag going, but um, that drive, I love it. it I troll, by the way, I troll people with that stuff. Like every every hillbilly, every Maple MAGA person, every person that is like, yeah, I believe in Donald Trump, and I live in Bicycle, Alberta. I'm like, you are the worst person alive. Yeah, and that's and you you that's your style, and you do that. I love um, it. Uh, so, but so for me, I look at it and I say, you know, who like to your point, a great test of a leader is who is supporting what you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. um, who, who is your constituency, uh, whether intended or not? And if your unintended constituency are people who hold values, the likes of Putin, you have to say to yourself, what is it I'm doing wrong? Mm -hmm. What is that? Where have I gone off base? What did I possibly signal that I didn't intend to? Like, I'm mm -hmm. trying to give Polyev the benefit of the doubt here. From what I'm observe in the u.s maga machine which is not in a race they're not the republican party they're the maga party and they are literally working towards an autocracy trump is quoting mein kampf <laughs> you know he's even came out today and said i'd never read mein kampf you know like if you're denying you read mein kampf something you're saying sounds like hitler right so it's like they're getting so obvious and so far over any line we ever dreamed in our lifetime we would see dean that, you know, it's the frog in the pot analogy. I don't want to be the boiling frog in the pot of autocracy. I'd like to, like, scream for democracy right now. Thanks. Well, we're on Isn't the that what you're doing, side. though? Isn't that what you're doing? Isn't well, that I'm what, generally speaking, most of us are doing? We're speaking up against the idea that we would love to have the minority decide how our lives work on a daily fucking basis? Well, what I'm trying to do is say, you know, like, check your water temperature, you know, of our democracy. You might think that you have enough grievance against vaccine mandates, that you're okay with the UX characterization of us living in a totalitarian state, but that's not true, right? And so you might hate Trudeau and think he failed on a lot of fronts, but some of the things that they are saying about Trudeau aren't actually true. So if you're going to accept things that aren't true because of your anger or your fear or your circumstance, understand that the temperature is boiling up in your pot and you don't you don't know it and so what i'm trying to say to people is like you know democracies that have fallen and they fall they are a fragile experiment didn't think they were falling mm -hmm. they slowly got conned they slowly boiled right and so you you it like it's the pattern is laid out in front of us and now when I see signs of it in Canadian rhetoric, and rhetoric is not just sport, right? It is intentional. Mm -hmm. I look at it and I say, well, that's if we're, and I think I actually dropped a couple F-bombs on Twitter the other day, Dean, when I, like, if I hear anything about pure blood Canadians, I'm going to lose my mind. It was bad. Oh, I love those. I love those. Just so you know, yeah. you and I have very different opinions on how we deal with these things yes. where, where you like to be kind. Me not so much. Well, I'm, when not I'm just not. I'm not just. <laughs> I just try to cudgel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do too, but I'm ruthless about it, and I enjoy it. But um, to your point, the pure blood thing is one of my favorite things. Where I don't know if you've seen. Like, I don't. I don't mess with any vaccines. I don't mess with these. I'm pure blood. There is. There's this like. <laughs> there's this Facebook group of pure blood sperm donors. Right. <laughs> 
So, I mean, but here's the thing, Dean, is that uh, let's just say with vaccines, we all put shit in our bodies in the 90s. Don't tell me you're pure. But yeah. I'm going to the, the the broader thing, Trump's language around poisoning the blood of America, the pure blood, right? That is yeah, straight yeah, up yeah. Hitler dehumanizing Nazi shit. We got to call it out. And and in Canada, I don't want us even tiptoeing near the edge of that shit. I like, like if the pot's at, at minimum boil right now, I don't want us to get to medium. To me, the U.S. is almost at full throttle, right? Full boil. We, we can we can learn. We don't have to fall into the same traps. And so, you know, somebody, you, you posted, I just got to say this, like the TikTok world I love. I'm not on it a lot, but a lot of it gets brought into feeds on Twitter, on X, where yeah. I play. And I love it. There are some really talented people out there. You posted a guy and he was calling out some shit. I think it was probably who said, and he said, you know, Canadian media, you got to start calling this out. Like we are Canadian media. Who do you think's going to do it? Like they can't, they don't have the resources, they, they don't have the, the, the bandwidth, they don't have the viewers or the listeners anymore. They don't have the, the go ahead from their corporate overlords. They're not gonna do it. We cannot sit and wait for someday, you know, Mansbridge is gonna show back up on the desk and go, Canada, we have a fashion. Like it's not gonna happen. We have to realize right now, every single one of us has to call out the shit as we see it, has to question it, has to challenge it. You know, Polyev is talking to a chamber of people who are going to uh, not challenge him in an interview. And when he is challenged, he's condescending, which actually works against him. But I mean, the point is, this cannot just be, I haven't made up my mind on Polyev yet. Um, but what I am seeing are signs of, if not coordination with what we're seeing in the US, certainly a little too close for my comfort. You know, I care less about conservative or liberal or, or NDP or green than I care about uh, having a place where as a woman I have rights. Like in Afghanistan the other day, the Taliban took shut all the women's shelters and threw all the abused women into jail. So like the US just took away abortion rights and in some states, the doctor can go to jail for even helping you or the person who drove you to the border. That is happening, Dean. Mm -hmm. I don't want that in my fucking life or my daughter's life. So if it's just the rights of women or if it's just the environment or if it's just the rights of the LGBTQ or if it's just the right for to have a voice or to be able to speak freely, whatever it is that makes you think of democracy as being something you value, mm -hmm. like dig in, you know, and, and push back. Mm. You, you know what, uh, Laura, that, that last sentiment, you know, it, because it's personal sentiment, right? It's reproductive rights. Um, watching that get washed in our lifetime in the United States was unbelievable in the last couple of years. You know, watching the ramp up to it, stack the Supreme Court uh, with people who are sympathetic to the idea that a woman's right is to her own body is not what they want for that country, right? And that goes back to how we started. So to put a bow on it is the propaganda. It works, man. It works. It's why they do it. That's why they say it. You know, they, they will they will slice a, an orange 17 different ways to tell you it's a lemon and you'll eat it. And it is still an orange, man. It is exactly what you see. You, you can. And, and you know what? For every single Canadian that says, yeah, we're not seeing the same far right politics in the United States. Give your head a shake. That's all we see. That's all we see. That's all we see specifically from one side of the aisle. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because if you think if you thought it would be in your lifetime, when this war in Ukraine started, if you thought that Canada was going to stick together, every single political party was going to stick together and go, yeah, like the United Front in Canada, not like in the states where the Republicans are like, quit sending money to Ukraine. We don't want it because it's what Putin wants. So let's, let's stop doing it. What's well, happening in Canada? The creep isn't just here. It's a borderless political ideological movement. And if you think in Canada 
that these same conservatives are leading in every poll aren't going to test the waters about your reproductive rights. You're crazy because they will. Well, just the just the the bullshit uh, misnomer of parent rights. We don't have rights over our children. You know, we 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 care for them. We have a responsibility to them, but we don't own them. And parental rights has been an evangelical right wing thing for decades in the U.S. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a tool. It's a label that gets misused to uh, to push back on the rights. I mean, all I had to see was kids stomping on on pride flags during the parents' rights rallies to know, you know, what what it's about. So so these things work, Dean, and you and I are in violent agreement on everything we're saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they work, and 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 I'm not impervious to them. I mean, I'm gonna after this call, I'm gonna check myself and say, what am I buying into that I shouldn't be? Like, let me do a little filter scan. You know, uh, what what's get what's creeping in on me that I'm. No, you're I'm gonna say after this conversation, you need to go have a bath. Yeah, I will go in the hot tub. That, that is on my, my schedule. But you know what? Um, I love this because we're going to have to have a lot more of these, not just you and I, but yeah. everybody, right? Because if there's so much misinformation and disinformation and just people realize it sounds true, it doesn't just sound like aliens have landed on, on you know, the CN Tower. It sounds like it's plausible and that then it takes you down a path that is not true and is manipulative. So just question what you hear. You know, question. I say this to my kids. I can't control what they see on TikTok all day long. Um, you know, what do you hear? Where's it coming from? Who benefits? You know, mm-hmm. what's behind it? How does it make you feel about yourself and about your country and about other people? Like, mm. throw on some filters, right? And and then go with whatever you decide. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this, Laura. <laughs> um, and and it's funny because I think there are a bunch of us online that kind of all say the same things. There are a bunch of people of certain critical mass, like you yourself or ourselves or a few others. My friend Pete Creek, Frank Dominic, yeah. that give of their time to try to just inform people and go, "Hey, listen, this isn't good. This is not what you should be doing. Here are the pitfalls. Here are the things you should be paying attention to." And and to to actually get a chance to sit down and you know we've had a couple of quick conversations here or there. But to hear about what your passion is, right? And I think in this world, specifically in the media world, you and I are where we're from. I was encouraged to deliver my passion for a long time because of the radio station that I was fortunate enough to work at for a long time. They're like, no, just keep doing what you're doing. We're making a mint. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Um, But in traditional media, generally speaking, there are guardrails that you know, make certain organizations uncomfortable to the point where they're like, hey, you, you, you know what, you're going to have to hear on the Rogers Cable Network, you're going to have to, you know, dummy down some of your stuff. You can't be as passionate. But the O Show is the opposite of that. And I, it's I, left, the- I left for that reason, Dean. I left for that reason. Did you? Yeah. yeah I was actually told uh, that um, I could get a paid gig because I was a volunteer, that there was a paid gig possibly available to me if I, you know, watched my Twitter feed, you know, and I said I would rather fucking die then like that was my response so you know seriously i got more viewers on the feed than they have like forget it (laughs) but dude that's you know how hard it is for people like you and i to walk out of those buildings to go you know what this is all we've ever known but let's bet on ourselves and i'm not saying we're like geniuses or anything because i can tell you for sure i am not the genius i like to tell people i am even though i know i'm just regular like everybody else but to be able to speak your passion without someone leaning in your ear going, yeah, you can talk about these things, but don't say anything about this guy, that guy, or this thing that happened because it happens every day. It happened to me all the time. 
yeah. when I was in traditional media, where it's like, yeah, we're going to stay away from that entire subject. And you're like, no, we can't really. It's the biggest story. And the, and the guy's like, yeah, but I'm a donor to that guy. And, you know, uh, you know, part of the, 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 the board of directors here, we're supporting that guy because he's going to change some policies. They're going to make us more money. So we need you to kind of take it easy. The systemic nature of shutting people up in traditional media that has ended with the advent of you being able to do a live stream. It's been incredible to watch. Well, I'm glad. And you know what? I and back at you. You know, I, I listened to you a little bit of back in the day, but the point is now is the moment, right? We have to meet the moment. So the yeah. people who have the skills have to meet the moment, however we can do it. And I launched my YouTube channel that uh, an hour later without even knowing what how to do it. I, I consulted with people after, but I put out a promo and people retweeted the celebration promo. And I'm like, I guess I'm into it now. <laughs> what the fuck? Great business plan. That was your business plan? The YouTube yeah, exactly. commercial? Exactly. <laughs> that's how it that's how it starts right that's how well, it starts you know, in this it, it, it was impulsive i mean impulsive mm -hmm. in the sense of my everything in me said i don't like being told to shut up especially when i think i'm fighting for the good of others right mm -hmm. I, I don't i like fuck you right mm -hmm. uh, and so i didn't you know I, I i left gracefully or whatever but the point is uh it's not about where i was or whoever i've worked for in the past it was about no like there's too much that needs to be said and clearly um people are afraid of it therefore i must and then i'll figure out the mechanics later right ah well you do a great job osho uh, where can people find you youtube Laura? youtube it's, it comes up as the osho hamont there's a few other Oshows on there but i think by now we dominate in the search but our osho hamilton but it's the osho and it stands for the opinion show or whatever else you want it to stand for. I, I'm, I'm open. <laughs> I was going to say, there, you could probably make like an adult film reference to the title of your show as well. I just I was going to say that off the top. I love that off the, the Osho. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Welcome to the Osho. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Osho, YouTube, uh, theosho.ca is where you can go to find it as well. And I'm uh, going to make my producer load up all the old, all the podcasts we've missed. <laughs> as you should, um, because listen, it, it's a tremendous show and it's one of those shows where um, you see it, for me it was anyway, when you started it, you'd see you doing some shows and you're like, oh, there's that person again. And yeah. you see, saw it with enough frequency that you're like, I'm going to watch a few minutes of this. Yeah. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, she's really good at this. Oh, she's okay. really good at communicating. You wear a lot of different hats. You're in it for the right reasons. It was absolutely my pleasure to meet you today. And, and thank oh, you, you so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. My daughter's it. a super fan. She watches every single one of your po your bedhead posts. So. Does she really? <laughs> oh, you say hi. her name is Matisse. Is that correct? Matisse. Yeah, yeah. Matisse no, she and Chef Darrow. <laughs> And Chef Darrow, and she tells, she always tells me the ones where you have your hoodie on, she thinks are the most effective, just so you know. Yeah, that's good. Um, my significant other also loves that hoodie. And so I wore it like six days in a row to do bedhead presser uh, micro content. And she's like, yeah, you might want to change the hoodie. <laughs> every day. It's smelling now. <laughs> well, listen, um, all the best to you and your, and all the people who are special in your life over the holidays. And yeah, you know, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New yeah. Year. Uh, really good to see you. Can we do this again in the new year? I'd love to. That's great. Oh, Thank you. Us. Fast friends. Laura Babcock, theoshow.ca. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Bye. All right. There you go. That's a, that's a guest. You know what I love about that guest? Everything. Everything. She's bubbly. She's fun. She's super bright. She's got a sense of responsibility. She throws ham around, but like she's really careful about it. Me, not so much. <laughs> she's like, hang on with the sandwich meat conversation d let's just relax 
eh, I don't know about any of the stuff you just said, uh, but here's my experience. That is a pro. Or a Babcock just brought the heat. Boom. 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 And I love the fact she grew up like me, a prisoner of religion. <laughs> she made it out, though. She made it out. She got out. She dug it. It's like Shawshank, spiritual Shawshank redemption. <laughs> uh, I'm Andy Dufresne, though, in that story. She's Morgan Freeman. She is. She knows more than me. She's smarter than me. She's better, way better at this. Anyway, the Osho.ca. Go and uh, download and sub to that podcast. It's a really good one. She's a good person, too. I really like her. Yeah, that's the thing, <clears throat> everybody. You know, you, you you don't have to like me. You don't have to trust me. You don't have to like Laura. You don't have to trust Laura. But everything we say comes with receipts, like factual receipts. I might be colorful about it. I might, I might be. But my God, you cannot trust certain outlets anymore. And you can't trust people who are trying to tell you what you have to believe. You cannot do that. You can't. And the more salacious it is, the more you have to go and quadruple check that information. Not just one source, not just us. I'm the first person to tell you this. If you see something on our show or if you read something at crier.co and you're like, hmm, go look for other receipts. Cross-reference those receipts. If you go to Rebel News, <laughs> uh, if you see anything Canada Proud or you know, True North or any one of those third-party agencies, what you have to remember is they all get paid by political parties. They exist to serve political parties. None of us do. Laura doesn't. I don't. We have to go and eat what we kill. Kill what we eat, eat what we kill. That's the one. That's what we have to do. And so it's incumbent upon us to try to do our best to decipher what's going on in and around you because it's happening to us too. It's not just happening to us or to you. It's happening to all of us. We have all been lied to for generations. It's not just about the internet. Ah, you think this is the first time traditional media or media in general has been like, uh, we think this is happening because look at that. Oh, man, this has been happening for generations. You need to follow people you trust, brands who go out of their way to be accountable. That young lady is one of them, Laura Babcock. I believe we are as well. And hey, listen, if we do anything untowards, I'm the first person to say, sorry, go through my Twitter feed. It's just a litany of apologies. I'm really good at those because if I'm wrong, I want to know that I'm wrong. And I want to be right the next time. That's really important to me. And if it's not important to someone like Pierre Polyev, who when he's wrong, remember this, I'd like to know who's responsible for the terror attack at the Peace Bridge in Buffalo. Remember that? It was like a month ago. And then, and then within two hours, it was like, yeah, the guy just was going to a Kiss concert and the pedal on his Bentley stuck and it crashed and it's not a terror attack. Not one apology. Nope. He blamed a female reporter and then blamed the media. For his lie. Wild. How do I talk politicians so well? I think of a normal person. Then I take away reason and accountability. Pretty smart. Super normal. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Don't forget, you can get everything to do at crier.co. 
Uh, as always, we're brought to you by our friends at Cantor. Cantor, these are makers of the best. Oh, there's Laura's stuff right there. My bad. Sorry, I got Laura Becca. We're brought to you by the O Show today, too. Go download the O Show wherever you get your fine podcast. Go to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, but we're brought to you by Cantor, makers of rugged, hardworking torque wrenches for big industry around the world, the leading industrial tool experts, unparalleled expertise, reliability you can trust. Everything in here uh, comes from our good Canadian friends at Cantor. They make torque wrenches, torque tools better than anybody in the world for heavy industry around the world. Tool rentals, calibration services, repairs to custom fabrication, distribution opportunities. Cantor offers you the very best in sales service and a complete range of products, making it your one-stop destination. If you're looking for a place to become a distributor, if you're looking to distribute, if you're looking for torque wrenches or any industrial torque tools for a bolting solution you can't find, these are the best in the world. And they're out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, proudly Canadian. That's where they design and manufacture out of Edmonton. So make sure you call these guys. Go to their brand new website. You can see everything they do. You can Get in touch with them by going to cantork.com. As always, brought to you by our friends at Muse on the Mic. Um, sexologists, sex advocates, and advocates for the best business in the world, the oldest business in the world. Download their new podcast. It's called Muse on the Mic. Muse on the Mic is about uh, you. It's about men. It's about women. It's about uh, fantasies. It's about a very healthy appetite. And not only are the advocates, they've got a Patreon channel as well called Muse on the Mic Patreon where you can hear all the juice from the industry, the body rub industry. These are very high-end folks that do a marvelous job of talking about the world's oldest profession, advocating for the world's oldest profession, and it's a tremendous podcast. Emily and Riley are wonderful, very well-educated, very bright entrepreneurs, and they make your life better. So make sure you get their podcast in your podcast role. Uh, Muse on the mic. And of course, brought to you by our friends at Gitch, the number one luxury branded underwear for men on the planet. Boxer briefs, pouch in the front, can't miss. Made for Canadians, by Canadians, for Canadian men because the pouch is larger. Yeah, that's right. That's what he told me. I'm like, oh. Well, that's a shame for me then. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. I totally dig myself up. But the best luxury branded underwear you can ever buy. And I'm not kidding. The waistband's incredible. doesn't lose its stretch. Uh, and if you're looking for a pair of these bad boys, you go to edsfineimports.com. Use the promo code GITCH3. He'll send you a free pair when you order three or more. Massive online store. The best luxury underwear on the planet. GITCH. GITCH3 is your promo code. edsfineimports.com. That is it for me. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah, you could do it for yourself today. Do this for me. Do it for you. I live my life by this now. Your chief task for the rest of the week, I'm going to give you one. Know what you control and what you don't. And get busy not giving a single shit about the things you don't control. And get busy really caring about the things you do. Try that this week. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Bye. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker 
It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.